this is um, really different. Um, <laughs> uh, so, in case I forget you guys, I have to talk to you directly on the camera. Um, so, I'm so grateful for everyone who's joined us. Um, but I'm really, really grateful, as weird as this is, that I don't have to preach to a camera screen again, because that is the weirdest of all. Um, so, I've got, a, I've got a short message tonight, guys. Um, and I said to the guys before the service when we prayed that there's not, there's not a lot here that's new. Um, I, didn't, I didn't feel the Lord saying that it was yet time to finish the, well, to do the rest of the sermon on rebellion. Um, I think I'm, my plan is to do that next week. Um, but I asked the Lord what he wanted me to do, and, and um, I was there to Psalm 91, and so that's what I'm going to preach from tonight. Um, and as I was working through it, all the things I felt the Lord saying to me are things that I think I've said over the last few weeks, um, and that others have said, that Kath has said in her sermon, and Luke in his. Um, and so, you know, when the Lord does this, when he, when he kind of gets this almost repetitive word coming, then I presume that either I'm not getting it yet, um, and I need to you know, keep trying, or maybe some of you guys aren't getting it, um, or more importantly, that there is a grace on what he is saying for us, that he's repeating himself, saying, don't forget this, don't forget this. Um, and so, for those of you who are really looking forward to talking about rebellion, you'll have to wait till next week. Um, I must confess, I was quite relieved when I felt him saying, don't do it, because I think I've got some things to work through before I preach about it. Um, it's that sort of sermon. Yeah, no, Matt's, Matt's going to help me with that. Um, so, <laughs> this, um, this past week, I don't know if any of you um, saw in the newspapers or how much attention was given in the media, but um, I think it was, it was VE Day, Victory in, in Europe Day. Um, I think it's something that more, maybe the Europeans celebrate more than the Americans. Um, but on one of, the, one of the British newspapers I read um, on the weekend, it was Friday or Saturday, there was, a, there was this picture of this old veteran standing alone in the middle of the street where normally there would be you know, hundreds of people, there'd be you know, all sorts of royalty and military officers, um, but the commemoration was cancelled. But this man was there with his medals on his chest honoring his comrades. It was such a beautiful picture of honor and of courage. And um, not that he was sort of rebelling against authority, but it was just such a, an amazing picture of this man's commitment to those who had fallen around him. Um, and several British newspapers ran articles, you know, asking, you know, is COVID like World War II? Is it like, you know, living through World War II? And I, I've kind of just been laughing to myself. You know, it's like, this has been like six weeks. Um, and we're talking about people who are in war getting bombed, you know, for four or five years. I don't think we're there yet. Um, and uh, kind of had a chuckle about those. Um, I don't think, you know, I don't think any of us can fathom and what it's like to live in those sorts of situations, fortunately. And um, we, we're fortunate, even if we criticize our government, you know, we live in a country where there's order and there's good structure and, and um, yeah, there's people doing the right things. Um, but 
there is there's a small there's a small um, opportunity, I guess, um, in this time that you know we're suffering irritations, and, and it's not a lot more than that in this context. You know, it's really irritating that when I try and worship God, I have a mask going in and out and sucking in my mouth. You know, and that's irritating. Um, it's frustrating that most of our congregation is on the other side of that camera lens. Um, it feels awkward, you know, and in a kind of small, small way, it's, um, it allows us to get a picture um, of what it's like for so many of our brothers and sisters around the world who, who suffer to worship, um, who, don't, who can't just do what they want when they want. Um, and, and maybe that's a good thing, that, um, that the discomfort that we, that we, are, that we are feeling will, will enable us to, you know, to have more, more empathy, more love, um, for our brothers and sisters around the world who suffer. So even as I, as I talk about the fact that our lives are being shaken, you know, obviously I want to keep in context of, you know, there are obviously far worse things and people suffering far more. But again, I just, I keep feeling, sensing the Lord coming back to us and saying, don't lose sight of the opportunity that I'm giving you in this time. Um, and, you know, obviously, every day we have a choice between do we pursue God or do we pursue the world? Do we pursue our own desires, our own comforts, or do we seek God? But the advantage of this time is that um, our lives are being shaken, and just because of what's happening, our normal comforts are being thrown up in the air. Our rhythms of life are being thrown up. You know, I, I can still binge on Netflix, let's be honest, okay? That's still there. Um, <clears throat> maybe it's just more obvious to me now. There's, there, there's, um, it's, yeah, I do, so I don't want to think, I don't want to say that because things are hard that we're automatically going to seek God. I think that what we see in the world around us is automatically we seek more comfort, more ways that we can get rid of fear, more ways that we can try and make ourselves feel better, make sense of a world because the things that we've been building our lives on maybe are falling apart. And even in the church, we are vulnerable to. In the church, we're vulnerable to setting our lives to be as comfortable as they can, as safe as they can, to live a good life. And there's nothing wrong with a good life. And God wants us to live a good life, but that can become the focus rather than God. And I, and I was reminded as I was thinking about this, a quote I've used a few times in church. You know, Morgan Campbell, that old pastor who. Evangelist who said that persecution was the devil's second best strategy. That his best strategy, his first strategy, his primary strategy was materialism, was consumerism, was those things that dull our spirits to the ways of God, to the kingdom of God, to the reality of God. And I do think that this time is, it's a refining season. You know, we know in scripture we are told that um, the Lord's fire is going to refine all things in our lives, and what is good will remain, and what is dead, what wasn't of Him, will be burnt away. And I, and, I, and I just sense that the Lord's saying in this time, there's a chance for us to be refined. There's a chance for us to examine our lives and to be using this, seeing this as an incredible opportunity to seek more of the ways of God in our lives. So will you turn to Psalm 91, please, if you have your Bibles or your phones? Um, 
I want to read this, and then I'm just going to share a few things that I felt the Lord saying from it. So Psalm 91. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him I will trust. Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with His feathers and under His wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone." You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent. You shall trample underfoot. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. This scripture seems to speak so much into what we're going through at the moment. Um, A call for us not to fear. A scripture that speaks of the reality of pestilence and of dread and of trouble God not taking all those things away, but God saying, in those things I am with you and I will deliver you from them. And this scripture, the heart of this psalm is calling us to make God our refuge. And I, I think you know, we, can all, we can all speak out these kind of vague phrases or words like God will protect me, God is with us. You know, these things are true. But, but there is such an intentionality in this psalm. Will we make God our refuge? Will we make him our shelter, knowing that he promises to be with us? And so, you know, the classical you know, Christian thing to do is to kind of ignore God until we need him, and then we turn to him. And of course, he's there, and, he, and he's with us, and he moves, and he's powerful. But this psalm is calling us to something so much better than that. It's calling us to abiding in him. And so this, this idea of God being our refuge and our shelter, it's him being our home. It's him being the place where we experience warmth and freedom and kindness and love. It's about seeing God as the one that we go to 
that we share our desires with, that we share our hearts with, that we share our fears with, that we abide with Him. That's the heart of this psalm. You know, and so often in Scripture there are these tensions because obviously, obviously there's sickness and there's death. There are people who, thousands, tens of thousands who have died from COVID and, and tens of thousands who have died from war and all manner of evil. And so we read a scripture like this and, you know, and we, we can point to so many New Testament characters who die. You know, Stephen, Peter, you know, or so many apostles who die. God doesn't promise us a perfect life, but the psalm calls us into an abiding with him where he will be our shelter. And even if ultimately, even if ultimately it comes to death, he will show us salvation. I'm not sure how all of you have responded to COVID. Um, And it's funny, you know, before this latest order went out, I was going around the shops without wearing a mask. I felt fine. Now that I have to wear a mask, I feel so much more fear because maybe it's more tangible. You know, I don't think it's any more serious, but it's had that effect on me. I, many of you know that my wife has a, a sickness that makes her vulnerable. Uh, she is in the sort of highest risk category. And, you know, every now and again, I feel fear trying to get into my heart, trying to you know, kind of sneak its way into my home. And I have to be determined to say, like, my house is not going to be a place of fear. My house is going to be a place of hope. And even as we struggle here, you know, we're wearing masks and we're trying to keep the social distancing and hand sanitizer everywhere. Um, We have to be so careful that we don't embrace a posture of fear. We will honor authority. We'll do what's sensible. We want to make it safe for everyone. But... I also want us to say all the time that this church is a place where we have hope in a God who heals and a God who protects. And so as we look at the world around us that is struggling, that is getting shaken, and, and, and again, so many of these things are good. I, fo- I found it so wonderful in a way that there have been <laughs> so many articles saying how you know celebrities are so, li- so much less important now. Like, no one cares what they think. Who cares? You know, people are dying. Our lives are changing. Who cares what some people think? Um, I I see these, I see the world looking for answers. There's so many people that are scared and, and, and we are called as the church and we are called at Kingdom Life to be a church where we can say we have hope. We worship a God. You know, Jesus, this, the fact that he would touch the leper He wasn't scared that the leprosy would get onto him. He knew the leprosy would run away from him. That when he touched death and prayed for those who were dead, death would lose to his prayers. And so even as we are challenged in these times, I believe the Lord is saying, make me your refuge. Show the world that you have hope. Show the world that you have faith for a long life. Show the world that you have hope for salvation. Show the world that there's more. And part of that is showing that people that there's more to God than even what we offer as a church. 
that he is a God who wants to save and he wants to be our refuge now. And I can keep saying this, and I believe God wants me to keep saying this, but make him your refuge. I've got three final things to say here. The first is, I ask the Lord, Lord, if I, I'm saying the same thing over and over again. What is, it, what is it that you really want kingdom life to get? And he just said, I am. I am. And I am is your refuge. And as he said those words, I just I saw this massive rock, this foundation of stone which is immovable, and he's saying, I am solid, and I'm strong, and I'm eternal. And you can have hope, because I am, is your refuge. And the second thing is, he promises to show us his salvation. He promises to show us his victory. And that means some of us will see victories in this time. And we believe as in this church that God has victories in this time. We believe he has victories over disease and sickness and depression and over things that would want to kill us and bring fear. We believe that he wants to bring life. But we also worship a God. And yet Jesus said that I am going to my Father and in his mansion there are many rooms. We have this promise of life that no matter what happens in this life, we have salvation. We have it now and we have that promise for eternity that great hope where God will make all things new. All things new. And if nothing else, this time of shaking can give us that perspective to move away from lives of comfort, to move towards lives of eternal purpose, of kingdom-building purpose. And the, the third thing is a slight tangent, but, but, but it's connected here. There's, I love the fact, this is one of the, one of the few passages in Scripture where we get clear references to angels. God's saying, I, I will send my angels to watch over you and to comfort you, which is pretty cool. You know, and I've had prophetic words before from, from, from seers who have described the, the angels that they've seen on either side of me, and it's... They're such incredible words to get from people who see into the spiritual realm. And I believe the Lord wants to, he wants to remind us that we live in this greater reality. We live in this kingdom reality. That if we believe the scripture that each one of us, you know, the Lord is able and willing to assign angels to us. That is part of a realm that we cannot see, we cannot understand but I believe he's saying, ask me. Use this time where you can't even come to church and be normal in that way. Ask to see the abnormal. Ask to see into my kingdom. Ask to see into my realm. Let me open your eyes. So let's turn to him. Let's be determined, again, not to make vague statements of abiding in him, of, of calling him our refuge, but let's really press into him as our refuge and our strength and our shelter and our comfort.
All right, guys. Matt, what are we going to do next? <laughs>